Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome to the Let's Go Tribe Prospect Chat. I am your host, Matt Schlichting. We are here with Brian Hemminger the lead prospect writer for let's go tribe.com brian how are you doing i'm doing fantastic it's it's good to break out the old podcast again it's been a while uh i think we were saying it was three or four months since the last time we got to do it yeah and i think in august there was the general uh depression following the post season where we all kind of took some time to think about life and 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 whether we wanted to be indians fans again Yet, of course, even those of us that say it's never going to happen all end up turning around and we'll be there come April. Yep, that's what I did. So, And what, where I guess what I'll do. Oh, for sure. So since we've had about four months or so here, there's been plenty going on. I know that you said you've got some things, that, or as we yes. might be dubbing it, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well... At the end of each season, there's some turnover in every farm system. Uh, There's players that can become free agents and they can leave and sign with other teams. There's players that can become Rule 5 eligible and they can be drafted in the Rule 5 draft. And there's multiple levels of the Rule 5 draft. Um, Like there's obviously the main one where players can just get drafted straight to a team. But what people don't know a lot of times is there's a AAA level of the Rule 5 draft where... Maybe there's players you weren't going to put on your 40-man roster, but you can put them on like the 40-man roster for the AAA team. And if you have a guy that maybe played single A last year and isn't on the 40-man roster, another guy can swoop in and take them and put them on their AAA team. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the offseason. So this offseason, the Indians had Brock Hartson retire out of nowhere. I mean, he was a, just a solid, dependable starter at, for high A Lynchburg had a really good season. Um, one of the league leaders in ERA. I mean, he was, wasn't a hard tosser, but just a nice control guy would, would have been a nice depth option in the system, but he's gone. Um, and then if you remember at the 40 man deadline, right before the rule five draft, the Indians waved, or DFA'd Kyle Crockett and Dylan Baker off the the 40-man, and there's a chance to re-sign them, but they signed with the Brewers and the Reds, I think. Crockett so they're did gone. go to the Reds, which I, yep. for a minute, thought that he was still on the roster for the Indians and wrote it in an article and was quickly uh, corrected. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, 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 are un, they do not forgive or forget in our comments section. And then... Uh, obviously, then after that portion, then there's players that um, not Rule 5 eligible, 
but guys that have been in the system for long enough that they can become free agents in the minor leagues. Um, That's how the Indians signed somebody like Tyler Olson that became a huge uh, impact player for them down the stretch last year. So they lost Percy Garner. Uh, He signed with the Orioles. Uh, Remember Luis Lugo, a left-handed starter that for a while was a top prospect and then just kept kind of dropping down with control issues. But he had a decent season last year in Double A. But he signed also as a free agent for the Orioles. They just love Indians prospects after Apparently, taking yeah. Anthony Santander last year in the R- Rule Five. He's always going to be the one that got away. I think. Oh yeah. Oh Damn yeah. Uh, Ronnie Rodriguez, a good middle infield depth utility guy. He signed with the Tigers. Jonathan Mendoza, another uh, middle infield utility guy, signed with the Mariners. And an outfielder, Luigi Rodriguez, who's had multiple seasons cut short with uh, drug suspensions, uh, he signed with the Giants. So, shocker, shocker, after uh, what they put up with Bonds, they would they would bring in him. Uh, so and is, then in the rule... It's yeah. drug suspensions, performance-enhancing drugs, rather than yes. drug suspensions, yes. Josh Gordon kind of Yes, style. PEDs. Got it. Uh, and then in the Rule 5 draft, the Indians lost Jordan Milbrath. He got selected by the Pirates. That one surprised me. I don't, I mean, he pitched a little bit in double A, but I mean, he had a good season last year at single A, but just as a reliever, just that one kind of got picked out of nowhere. I did not expect that. He was not a guy I had even in my top 50 prospects, but Pirates think they might be able to hang on to him for a whole season. And then in the triple A portion, they lost Martin Cervenka, Junior Soto, and Ivan Castillo. Cervenka was just, a guy that unfortunately was just too old in the system and uh, there's too many good catchers in the Indian system, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but he had a good season last year at single A, uh, his best offensive season ever. And he got taken. Uh, and then junior Soto, a guy that's been in the system a while. He had a single A breakout with power hit 12 home runs. I think last year uh, might've been nine actually, but I mean, he just, he, he hit, Huge spike in power. Still didn't hit very well around Mendoza line level. But the Yankees picked him up for AAA. And Ivan Castillo, a guy that's at one point was rising through the system quickly and then just kind of stalled out at AA. Um, he got selected in the AAA portion as well. So those are all the guys they lost. That's 12 players. And they did add a couple. Obviously, they signed some guys to minor league deals. Um, but the ones that people probably will recognize the most were Rob Refsnyder like basically a middle infield outfield guy that they added to the 40 man when they DFA'd Crockett and Baker. And then they also took Robert Orlin from the nationals in the rule five triple a phase. So he's on the Columbus Clippers at the moment. So they added a couple guys lost 12. So uh, basically they're hoping uh, they're going to see some development from some of their young guys because a lot of people are going to get extra opportunities with how many guys they lost in the offseason. And so one thing that I personally am not clear on, I've got a vague idea, but what exactly is the difference between the Major League Rule 5 draft and then the AAA phase of it? I think it's very similar where they got to keep them on the AAA, at least I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I looked and there were some guys that got taken. Uh, it might just be that they get they have to start the season on AAA and then they might even be allowed to get demoted. Because I saw that with Grant Sides. He was a guy that I was a little sad the Indians lost in AAA last year. And 
Um, he got selected by a team in the AAA portion, and then he didn't pitch very well at AAA, got sent back to AA, and then he's got released from the system. Oh. So I don't know. Maybe once you get taken in that level, you can you're just there. It's not quite as strict where you have to keep them up there the whole season type of situation. Right. And so the other question I have is we had a minor leaguer retire. Who was it again? Yes. It was a Brock Hartson. Do we have any context for why he decided to hang up the cleats? I I saw uh, the Todd Paquette. He's the Indians pro on Twitter. I mean, he is the ultimate Indians prospect guru. I, all, I basically live on his feed. Um, he said he had a slight injury, but I mean, it wasn't, wasn't anything that was going to even delay his season. I guess he just decided, uh, that maybe he didn't want to make a career out of baseball. I mean, minor league players don't make a lot of money. So, I mean, they're making $10,000 a year at the double and triple a level and they get like a $25 a day per diem. And half of that goes back to like the clubhouse manager for the post game spreads and stuff. (laughs) So, I mean, they don't make much money at all. So maybe he just didn't feel like he wasn't he was going to make it at the big league level and had another opportunity. But as far as I know, it wasn't due to injury. And I've seen some guys retire when they get hurt and they just don't want to do the rehab again. Um, but as far as I know, that wasn't the the issue with the Hardson. Right. And it's this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's great that there's something that these guys are paid in the minor league, but that's only if you're comparing it to student athletes mm-hmm. uh, in the NCAA. And this is something that if you follow sports Twitter, which of course both of us do, um, there's been a lot of discussion this off season, especially because I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that's in charge of minor league baseball said something to the effect of, like, Oh yeah, it was, Pretty rough. I mean, yeah. he got called out by a lot of people. Like oh, yeah. David Spear in the Indian system went after him pretty hard. Um, so, yeah, that, I think he disrespected a lot of guys at the minor league level. I mean, basically for minor leagues, you're going to be scraping and struggling to, to make ends meet until you get to the, the majors, unless you were one of the guys lucky enough to get drafted as a, a top pick and you got a big bonus. But I mean, even that, I mean, you got to spread that bonus out over, you know, four or five years that you're living off of because you're going to be making the same amount per year as everybody else. It's just that you got that signing bonus. Right. Uh, so there's the international elite signing bonus guys that they're, they can give like a million dollars or whatever to. And then there's, you know, the top draft picks that can, they can make in the millions. But other than that, you know, most guys, I mean, uh, they got to, really scrape and struggle to to make ends meet to to stick with the, everybody else and so in i mean it's crazy to think about guys with this level of talent having to work a second job or something in the off season and so i guess in this case it being a non-injury retirement it's sad because you want to see someone try to stick it out but at the same time it's like Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I do too. Frustrating, and, and, but and really, the you don't see as many guys get hold second jobs. That's more for the lifers, the, like because yeah. you can you can make a living as a AAA lifer. I mean, you make enough. I mean, it's not you know a good a great living, but I mean, you, those are the guys that maybe can have a second job type of situation. But at the lower levels, most of those guys they spend their entire off season 
you know, working out, getting ready for the next season. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's all baseball all the time. If you really want to make it to the show, because if you're not working, then every spending all your time, you're going to lose your place to the guy that is. And I want to drag this tangent a little bit further, but would you agree that it would make more sense for teams to pay these guys a little bit more to make it comfortable so they can do that without having Cause wouldn't they- I would, I would love if they paid them more, yeah. it would, it would make things a lot easier, but I mean, you got to remember there's what 200 players in each system, probably. Right. So, I mean, you raise it a little bit, that's times 200. So it just depends uh, how much you got to raise it. And I mean, cause they can't just immediately just pump in a ton of money because you're pumping that into everybody, not yeah. just to like select guys. So it's tough. It, I mean, it's a lot of it is just hoping that you scouted correctly and that you spent your big bucks on the guys that are the the guys that you're hoping make it all the way. Because mm-hmm. they're I mean, there's a reason that those guys are usually the ones that that make it. I mean, obviously, there's always the the amazing stories of guys that were like Oral Hershiser in the 80th round or Mike Piazza in the hundred whatever round. He was literally but, a favor. That somebody yeah. called him, and then he ends up being the best hitting catcher of all time, arguably. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- th- those stories are amazing, but they're usually uh... we thought of two yeah. of them just now in <laughs> forty plus years of baseball. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more, but yeah, more often than not, it's the guys in the top ten rounds. So I believe that. <laughs> in a roundabout way, more or less closes out the guys that the Indians lost this year for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, what do you have for us? Well, I think we were going to throw out some uh, dark horse candidates for players to, you know, maybe put their name on the map in the Indian system. I didn't know if you had anybody that maybe impressed you last season that you didn't really you weren't that aware of or if there's somebody that you just want to pull a rabbit out of a hat but i've got a couple so for me and i was listening to the last couple of prospect podcasts and mitch longo came up Mm -hmm. as an intriguing kind of guy who my understanding 14th round not necessarily someone who's been considered a major prospect but just looking at his um his numbers (laughs) uh, 361 431, 530 in Lake County at the end of the year last year, and then in Lynchburg, which it was only five games, but he hit the snot out of the ball. Yeah, he only betted 563 for Lynchburg. No big during, deal. And that was during their playoff run, by the way. Really? Like, <laughs> like right at that stretch, they called him up right at the end of the year, and then they went and won the championship. Uh, and, and he betted 563 for him. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. He's pretty good. But yeah, the guy that just tears the cover off the ball. His issue is injuries. Um, his 2016 got cut a little bit short by injury, not much, uh, when they first drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2017, he missed the first half of the year uh, with an injury. I think he might have had the same injury that Greg Allen had, that hamate. That's um, the hand bone, right? Yeah, the the like hand wrist bone kind of. It's like not even like a bone that you need. It's like an, it's like the appendix of bones, but, <laughs> but if you hurt it, you're out for like three months. 
I think wasn't didn't John Carlos Stanton miss like half of a season? Yeah, Stanton missed a season. Yeah, half a season with that too. Yep. Yeah. It's a it's a swinging injury for some reason. Like I don't know exactly how it happens, but it it ha- only happens to hitters, and it only happens like through repetitive motion of swinging. Yep. But yeah, Mitch Longo. I mean, he's still only twenty two years old. He was a a young college player when they drafted him, and he's just flown through the system. He well, his season last year was a lot like Andrew Kalika's debut season where, I mean, Kalika just murdered the baseball. And, I mean, last year they started him at high A because of how good he was uh, his, in his debut season. And then Mitch Longo, uh, he was so good that he finished last year at high A with, with Kalika and played better than him. <laughs> so, um, you know, Mitch Longo is a guy to definitely keep your eye on. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of power, but, I mean, just – crazy hard hit baseball and contact rate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's definitely somebody that I think could be a, a sleeper to make a big move through the system. If, if he could just keep putting up the offensive numbers that he had last year. Well, And that, and then just looking throughout the course of 2017, 20 stolen bases caught once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's amazing. I like uh, that. Especially on an injury shortened season. I mean, that's the most effective base runner they had in the system. And as far as I know, he wasn't a guy that is labeled like a burner for speed. So, I mean, that's just all timing and intelligence on the base paths. So that's that's 20 steals, 252 plate appearances. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And we'll be talking about another base stealer when we get to my picks. Okay. Well, I mean, he was was one of the major ones that I had just... Mm -hmm vaguely i'm not as Mm -hmm. versed in prospects overall so i mean let's just dive into the guys that you've got okay i've got two one hitter one uh pitcher Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i don't want to just go through every guy in the system this early in the season we'll be doing that more when we do our top 20 lgt prospects you know Mm -hmm. so and that should be starting pretty soon uh so we'll we'll reach out to to matt lyon see uh, when that has to kick off but um yeah for me i got sam haggerty I mean, he had a breakout 2017. He led all Indians prospects in steals, and that's in a system, you know, with Gabriel Mejia, Greg Allen, and some really good, talented speedsters, Quentin Holmes, who they drafted the fastest guy in the 2017 draft. And uh, Haggerty stole 49 bases last year, and he led all of minor league baseball with 13 triples. And, I mean, he, he really was impressive for me. I mean, he had a huge uh, boost in his uh, slugging percentage, uh, almost up to 400 last year. On-base percentage was solid, 355. He was uh, basically the leadoff hitter for Lynchburg, and Lynchburg was by far the most successful team in the Indian system last year. And they just had a lot of under guys that weren't expected to uh, be big offensive threats, and they just – overachieved or maybe they just achieved and that's just what they were they were able to do but I was uh I was very pleased with the Lynchburg I mean obviously Lynchburg's pitching was amazing but I mean that whole season Lynchburg's pitchers were getting promoted to Akron all year yeah started with Thomas Pannone and Matt Esparza Shane Bieber um Xiaoqing Chang they all got promoted throughout the whole season they had at least four starters uh pass through the system and then they just kept it kept doing it but uh yeah the offensively 
yeah, Sam Haggerty's a guy that could be uh, a second baseman of the future potential. I mean, he's he's got speed, he's got the defense, he's got the contact rate. He dropped his strikeout rate last year. His walk rate went up a little bit. Um, and then, obviously, he clearly showed some pop. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of out-of-the-park power, but gap power. And when you got speed, you can get a lot of extra base hits. And he did last year. He had uh, 30 or 43 extra base hits. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and anytime you're talking about double-digit triples, that's yeah elite. Not bad for a 24th round draft pick, right? 2015. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was just uh, another guy after his season in uh, Lake County last year. And like, I would just keep seeing that they put him in and he batted 230. But I mean, he turned the corner in 2017. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I'm very excited about what he's going to be able to do at double A because he's clearly going there, mm-hmm. especially after. Uh, we had two other second basemen that have been prospects ahead of him in Tyler Krieger and Mark Mathias, and they both had horrible years last year. Uh, Mathias was injured the whole half the season, probably more than half, and Krieger just had a bad season. Like, just couldn't, you know, get the ball and find gaps and find uh, find empty field. So it'll be interesting to see where Haggerty kind of sits in that uh, spot in the organization. And so or he comes Indians. up to double A and has he builds on what he did last season. That definitely, I mean, it sounds like it would put him in position to sort of be not necessarily heir apparent, but someone that might end up hitting more of those prospect lists and be someone to pay mm-hmm. attention to. I, I think he'll break into the top thirty at some point if he can keep doing what he's doing. Uh, and then another breakout candidate. Here's my pitcher, Zach Playsack. He is. Uh, the nephew of former major league pitcher Dan Plasek. And he missed his entire rookie year with uh, Tommy John surgery. He was drafted out of Ball State. Indians knew that he wasn't going to be able to pitch, that he had an injury, but they drafted him in the 12th round. And last year, that he got limited use. But, I mean, he was impressive. Uh, he debuted as a starter for Mahoning Valley, the low A system uh, team. So basically he was playing alongside like Will Benson and uh, Nolan Jones and all those guys. And he was, he would pitch about three innings per start. And in his seven starts, eight total games at Mahoning Valley, he pitched 26 innings. And here are his numbers. ERA 138, opponents batting average 161, whip 0.85. I mean, he was dominant, and he struck out 31 and walked eight. So <laughs> that's, that's just shutting people down. Yeah. I mean, it was nasty. And then uh, they promoted him to Lake County. I mean, obviously his numbers took a little bit of a hit, but ERA 360 at uh, Lake County in six starts, 25 innings pitched. Uh, so they stretched him out a little bit, which is really great to see. And then uh, – uh, struck out 19 in 25 innings and walked six. So he kept the walks down, but didn't quite strike out as many. But, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I'm really excited to see what the Indians are able to do with him in 2018 because this year he should be fully healthy and ready to roll. It's interesting with those guys because he's, I mean, I would 22 years old. 
it, it sounds weird to say, but he's already got Tommy John under the belt that mm-hmm. he's taken care of, which is it's terrible to you know think. Well, we know it's going to happen. Oh, he's got it now, and he looked good afterwards. But it's encouraging to see him bounce back. And yeah, because Indians have some guys that didn't bounce back from injuries. Yeah, <laughs> obviously the number one guy, and these are some people that I would just like to see what they can if they can improve. Because last year was a nightmare for them. Uh, Brady Aiken, yeah. I mean, led all Indians pitchers in walks. The one good, there was one good thing about Brady Aiken last year. He didn't get hurt. Yep. That's huge. I mean, they went from, you know, him first coming out of Tommy John surgery in 2016. He didn't pitch that well. Everybody's worried about his velocity. 2017, he stretched out. He pitched the whole season. He didn't pitch well, but he pitched the whole season. That's pretty much the only positive for Brady Aiken in 2017. 132 innings, which his his whip was... Not good. It was almost two. It's the highest whip in the system by a landslide. It might have been the highest whip in minor league baseball. I don't know. It's pretty bad. But he only hit six guys. (laughs) What was hilarious was he kept his ERA like in the fours. Like he was the ultimate Houdini act. I wish I got to watch his games because, I mean, if you're putting two guys on per inning and your ERA is not nine, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, so, I, I think most people that are listening to this are familiar, but just in case, this was a guy that was taken first overall in the draft and ended up not signing because they found damage in his elbow. And so he's been trying to battle back and were able to draft him is because he fell the next season, still only 21 years old, but it's clear that there's still a long way to go for him to get back to that level of hype that he mm-hmm. commanded. Going, Yeah, and I mean, he might repeat at single A. I mean, there's really no reason to promote him yeah. after his performance last year. So I'm if the Indians want to be patient with him, that's fine. I mean, they've got a lot of pitchers locked up for a long time, so there's no rush with Brady Aiken. But it sure would be nice to see him, you know, figure it out because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's got so much talent. Uh, and the other one is Rob Kaminsky. I mean, 2016, I mean, he, people were worried about him because he'd been injured a lot. And in 2016, he had a really strong season. And then last year he pitched like two games, then went on the disabled list and never pitched again. So, I mean, he dropped off of every prospect list, just like uh, Aiken. And those are both lefties that can hit the potential of low to mid nineties with their fastball. And I mean, and they have, they're supposed to have really good breaking pitches. Yeah. Cause they're both so, first round draft picks as well. Yeah. So if Kaminsky and Aiken can bounce back, I think the Indian system will be rejuvenated quite a bit. If they don't, I mean, it could be a, a tough slog a little bit. I mean, they've got a lot of good players, but a lot of the their best players have been graduating. And it's time for uh, some of the guys that have had injuries to show what they got. And it's time for some of those prep players that they've been drafting recently to take that next step. And so one of the other interesting things that I had is it feels like there's this this tier of guys that are ready at the major league mm-hmm. level, or, or right around there. And before the podcast, we talked a little bit about uh, Yu Cheng Chang, who's an intriguing blockade at shortstop, and there's that there. You've got Bobby Bradley, who 
Greg Allen cracked with the team this year for a little bit. Same. So for that, and there's a couple other guys there too. They're pretty close. If you had to pick maybe one or two players pretty strongly about that are going to be on the roster full-time by the end of 2018, who do you think they would be? Um, I would say Greg Allen for sure. I think at some point during this season, um, he at least platoon center field with Bradley Zimmer. Even though Allen's a switch hitter, like he might be the right-handed guy uh, with Zimmer. He might push Zimmer out of center field. I mean, his defense is better than Zimmer's. Zimmer's is flashier because he makes those crazy diving plays. Right. But Allen gets better reads, and he makes the plays that Zimmer's diving and doing all these amazing things, he makes those plays look easy. Right. He's under like the he, ball. He gets to him. Yeah, he gets to him faster. Every other player has to lay out for it. Mm-hmm. Like Zimmer makes up for maybe not quite having as good of a read with his elite speed and, and just being a crazy, lanky, long guy and being able to <laughs> stretch out for these plays. But, I mean, Allen, if you watch, uh, literally the exact same situations, Allen's already there. Like, that's how good he is. He makes he makes things look easy. I think he's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. Now, that is not hyperbole. It is not. If I mean, the guy won the minor league gold glove for center field. That's every minor leaguer in all of the minor leagues. They gave it to him in uh, 2016. And he was sharing time in center field at times with uh, Brady, with uh, Bradley Zimmer. So mm-hmm. that's that's high praise. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think by the end of the year, he is a full-time Indians outfielder for sure. Well, and he, I, I think one of the other interesting things about him too is he spent most of 2017 in Akron. Mm-hmm. And then got the call. Pre- he's never played AAA. Yeah, he's going to start the year in AAA. I'm almost certain oh, of that. For sure. Like just Zimmer will be unless barring injuries, Zimmer will be center field. You'll have Lonnie Geyerman right, and then either Kipnis or Brantley or whatever they decide to do in left. But <laughs> at at some point, uh, Allen will be on the, the team full time in the outfield for sure. He's just too talented. I, I love the idea because it just yeah. feels like it's... My ideal scenario is uh, you got Lonnie ending arbitration at the end of this year. You move Zimmer to right. Yeah. Because uh, he's got the arm. He's, oh, his arm is fantastic. Yeah. And then Allen in center. And that is your center and right fielder for the next five, six years. Mm-hmm. And that's you don't ever have to worry about that again, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's wishful thinking, but I think they're both good enough to to be the outfielders of the future for a long time. Yeah, because I'm looking at Allen's stats, and it's still Double A. It's Akron, and it was his first year. He had a he played a good amount of Akron in 2016, and even still, it looks like 2016, 290, 399, 441 is what he slashed in about 170 plate appearances, and then last mm-hmm. season, 264, 357. So still not. Not slouching by any stretch. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as field. good though. It wasn't as good, obviously, just because of the injury. Yeah, I mean, he started off a little slow, had the hand injury, uh, wrist injury, and then came back and was still kind of working his way back. And then, boom, Indians called him up. And it was pretty awesome. I was, I was very surprised they called him up. I knew they would put him on the forty man to protect him from the rule five, but sure. I mean, the fact that they called him straight to the major league roster and he contributed, hit his first home run, and everything. 
uh, was pretty awesome. So, so does that feel like the kind of move that it's, they know this is a guy they want to have at the next level, and it's sort of like, mm-hmm. hey, this is this is what it's going to be. Now you know they wanted to give him that taste. Yeah, and there was a need. I mean, think of how many guys were injured for yeah. the Indians at the end of last season yeah, in the outfield. <laughs> I mean, Lonnie was out, Brantley was out, uh, Zimmer was out, <laughs> Geyer was out. Yeah, yeah. It was basically Austin Jackson. They needed. I mean, he needed to. He needed to be in there. So it's funny because I, I mean that's why Kipnis was starting in the outfield in the playoffs. I remember at the beginning of the season being this many outfielders. Well, I guess we found mm-hmm. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't help when you know a lot of these guys. Their best quality is getting hit with baseballs. So, <laughs> and I'm not. And just fun fact: Greg Allen. He might be the next Brandon Geyer in terms of getting drilled. He gets hit a lot. If you can, if there's, if you can find the hit by pitch stat oh my God. for him in minor league, it's, it's not pretty. Um, he gets, he gets blasted. 77 in four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> told you. That's, that's Geyer level stuff. That's, that's Geyer. That's Geyer level. That's almost 20 a year. And that, and he had an injury shortened year last year. So that's more than 20 a year per regular, per full season. That's a lot. So you had Allen as one of the guys to watch out for, which I'm definitely mm-hmm. excited. Maybe. Yeah, with Mejia, it's 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 tough to put a beat on Mejia. Do they want him to play third? Do they want him to catch? I mean, I want him to catch. I, it would be so nice to have a catcher that can bat 350. You know, <laughs> why why are they doing this? We don't need two. We don't need Gomes and Perez. They're basically the same guy. You know, yeah. they can they can pop. They are great defensively. Um, but they're going to hit pretty low batting average. You just need one of those guys. Let Mejia do his thing. I I know that they've got Perez and Jan to contracts for another couple seasons, but yeah, let, let Mejia catch, man. And in a <laughs> way, that makes Perez and Gomes that much more tantalizing for another team as someone yeah. that they could, it's going to be under team control for a while. You know what you're getting. He's going to, Either of them would be great innings mm-hmm. every year. And, and I know there's a lot of un- intangibles with all that, with the work those guys do with the staff and, and how well they know the pitchers. And, and we've got both of the, everybody under control for a long period of time. So, you know, that that could be a, a factor that people aren't really thinking about. If that makes sense. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I want Mejia to catch so bad. And, I mean, that's where his value is. I mean, there are no catchers out there that hit like him. There's no catchers in baseball, except maybe Buster Posey that hits like him. Sure. A bat like that, if you can stick behind the plate, you got to stick. Certainly, he's not as bad behind the plate as Gary Sanchez, right? Who no, not even close. He catches I about mean, half of the balls that are thrown to him, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, I mean he is not Sanchez. He's not Gomes. I mean, he's got an arm that's as good, if not better, than Gomes or Perez. But I mean, his there's still some refining that needs to be done. I mean, Sanchez has a cannon for an arm, but I mean, he's just got a lot of work to do with everything else. Yeah. But uh, I did have another player out of the the guys you mentioned, or maybe didn't mention, that I think it could be a contributor by the end of the season for the Indians, and that's Julian Merriweather. Ah, yeah. People aren't talking about him enough. I mean, the guy hits the upper 90s as a starter. And if they don't have room for him as a starter, I mean, when you can zing it in there, I mean, you can, if there's spots in the bullpen they need, 
I mean, I can see him coming in and being a guy that can just blow people away. And he's got good control, yeah. decent break, decent secondary stuff. I mean, not elite, but uh, he, he's still figuring it out. I mean, he did not pitch that well at AAA last year when he got promoted. But, I mean, this is a guy that's, I think, a very intriguing prospect. He could definitely take that next leap. Looking at the numbers here real quick, in a whip of point nine two eight. Yeah, he, he was strong can, in Akron. you can start that stat with point instead of one. 5.2 strikeout to watch. I, I, I like that. I can mm-hmm. combine that. Making the jump to Columbus. But mm-hmm. definitely when you're making that, just like you said, even if he doesn't end up making it as a starter, when he's throwing that hard as a starter. Yeah, I, I think he's somebody worth you know keeping an eye on that could be a difference maker, especially with, uh, you know, they traded away Sean Armstrong. You know, that's not somebody that I had on my list because, I mean, he was on the 40-man and, uh, you know, he they'd been giving him shots for years, but I guess I should have had him on the list. Um, but, yeah, there's there's potentially some openings there at the back end of the bullpen with the loss of Shaw, with uh, Armstrong gone. Uh, Merriweather could find a home there at, by the end of the season, not by the beginning because they're going to keep working him as a starter for now. Mm-hmm. I believe, as far as potential dark horse to the close there, uh, is there anything mm-hmm. else uh, as far as things you're excited about in the system or things that, generally speaking, prospect trackers should I'm interested to see what Shane Bieber does. I mean, that guy is the best control I've ever seen of any pitcher in minor league baseball, ever. Really? I mean, he puts Josh Tomlin to shame. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, last oh my year, God. <laughs> <laughs> you're just looking up his stats right now. Yep. What? Yeah. How is this even possible? There's a reason that the Indians drafted him in 2016 and he finished 2017 in Double A. His career walks per nine is point five. Yeah, less than half a walk per game <laughs> ever. And he, he he exploded in walks at Double A. I think he walked like six guys. Six. Oh, how, how dare he regress? I was. I mean, he he gives he gets hit. I mean, his whip is still over one uh, because he gives up a lot of hits. He's given up more hits than innings pitched. But I mean, his ERA is elite, and he doesn't walk people. And when I interviewed him, I talked to him about that, and he said he's going to have to start missing the zone on purpose. Because guys know that he's not gonna throw he's not gonna throw balls. And I'm like not, that's something that he has to learn. I'm not yeah. comparing him to Greg Maddox here, but there's the old story about Maddox when he was coming up. I think early in the minors there was a pitching coach that literally told him, spike a couple balls in the dirt just to make guys think you miss everyone's change their eye level. Mm-hmm. And apparently for him it was one of those moments where it was like, Oh Yeah. There's that a makes reason sense. to miss every once in a while. Because him, of course, <laughs> probably the best control ever at the major league level. Yeah, but yeah, Shane Bieber. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you got to learn all about Shane Bieber in today's podcast because he's a guy that I'm I'm pumped about too. I but mean, but he's on the prospect radar. I mean, he's like number ten already on like MLB.com and stuff. In, I just want to say it out loud in Lynchburg. Last season, he pitched 90 innings, and his strikeout-to-walk ratio was 20.5. 
Yeah, he's got the best strikeout to walk ratio in baseball by a landslide. <laughs> he's officially on my list. Uh, I am. I'm glad that you learned about him today. I mean, there's I there's more there's more like him too. A guy who got drafted like Bieber was fourth round 2016, and Aaron uh, Caval. It might be Savali, but uh, he was drafted third round, and he's not quite Bieber esque, but I mean he's close. If you want to look him up, C I V A L E. Oh, there he is. And that's those are still. I mean, especially home runs well below one at each level he's gone at too. Yeah, he's never walked ten at any level. So I guess that begs the question: Is when velocity? has taken over the planet, are they looking at a market inefficiency maybe with guys that have elite control like this that maybe yeah. are getting overlooked? They definitely have been doing that. Um, they've got a couple guys. I mean, there's nobody quite at Bieber's level, but uh, I mean, but I mean, what's interesting, most interesting is uh, Caval and Bieber, I mean, they can both hit 90s. I mean, they're not going to hit 100. Sure. But, I mean, they, they're not Tomlin. They can they can throw it by people too, which is pretty awesome. Like Bieber was, uh, I think, second in the Indian system in strikeouts last year. And that combined with that kind of control. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's some exciting guys in the Indian system for sure right now in the pitching department and and hitting. It's just they they don't quite have as many as some of the top teams in the top team systems. But yeah, there's there's definitely people worth keeping an eye on. Um, I would say the Indians lost a lot of depth. They didn't lose a lot of elite prospects in the offseason, but they lost a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to fill that somewhere. Uh, but I think that the top guys in the system are are very impressive right now. Yeah, and we'll with with high ceilings. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on them as we get closer to spring mm-hmm. training and throughout the year. Um, yeah, and and I think the the. The best thing about guys like uh, Cavell and Bieber is high floors with that type of control. So that's all I had for yep, this evening. That's fine by me. I mean, we right on. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot longer than I was expecting, which is a good thing. <laughs> no, it's there was. I mean, I guess since it's been a few months and going a little bit of onto some sidetracks. So oh, I love. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Once again, this has been the Prospect Chat with Brian Hemminger. Uh, I'm your host, Matt We will see you again soon for another Prospect Chat. Good night. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. 
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.